0: the kind of guy who gets bored with status quo. They always look out for, what's the next exciting thing? You need to come to work to have fun.
1: What do you think are those key traits that make somebody an innovator?
0: Hello there. I am E.G. Naden. I just go by Naden, And you're listening to the Tech Legacies podcast.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Legacies video podcast. I'm your host, Fanny Dennigan where I chat with technology executives, leaders, and professionals as they share their learnings, advice, and challenges faced during their career so that we can also share with you all in the audience some lessons learned. So today I am joined by E.G. Naden, goes by Naden. Thank you for joining me today, Naden.
0: Absolutely delighted to be here, Fanny. It's uh, it's an honor and a privilege. Having a conversation with you is always a fun experience. So here we go.
1: We met recently through a live show. And um, one of the things that kind of sparked me about what you do, Nodin, is you're kind of like at the forefront of technology trends and in your networking and in your research, you kind of keep a pulse on everything that's going on. Um, What are some of the key trends you're noticing in the industry right now
0: just speaking to you know you called out my role there and that's what excites me um, i am the kind of guy who gets bored with status quo so mm-hmm. i might give it a day or a week but then i need, i always look out for what's the next exciting thing you know you need to come to work to have fun you need to have come to work with that curiosity and my role in as the global chief architect leader in the cto office positions me to do that which is work with the products of today and the technologies of tomorrow for the solutions that will have outcomes for our customers that's my job right and in that role what i'm seeing is you know there is uh, more focus on security for sure there is uh, the need to be as secure as you can be being predictive and being proactive that's one and then there is uh, also this uh, increased focus around resilience as in You know, are we, it is not just about having contingency plans and, uh, you know, plan Bs or, you know, what if scenarios and so on. You just got to be resilient and uh, that doesn't mean, you know, you can compromise on innovation. So that's still table stakes. So it is those enterprises who are prepared to deal with change and are resilient that will actually survive the next unpredictable setback. That's um, another trend that I'm seeing. And finally, questions are being asked about, you know, we heard this thing about going to the cloud that will actually save money, and uh, you know, it, it, but then we are seeing that you know, there is a delayed realization. Wow, we are spending more than we did before, or way o- over than you know, what we anticipated. So these are some of the you know, trends that we are seeing, and I'm not even getting into the depths of technological trends, but the overall patterns that we are seeing, Fanny.
1: And to keep up, we have to continually innovate in the tech sector. What do you think are those key traits that make somebody an innovator?
0: So, um, I would say, you know, very humbly, not being you know, challenging status quo. That is one. I mean, just because it worked in the past doesn't mean it will work in the future. That is one. Um, the other one is to, you know. Uh, kind of look for how to deal with change. What is the next change that will uh, hit us and how can we be better prepared and innovating? As a matter of fact, you know, setbacks like COVID and so on, they actually trigger the, you know, innovation. You know, even the need to be resilient can actually trigger uh, innovation and resilience is really at an enterprise level or organizational level or at an individual level. So, traits would include how can we not get into Uh, You know, uh, like, have a setback deal a blow to us. So, how can we be innovative around that? So, that is another key trait. And then, if you are, if you have the perspective of working across domains, so not just being focused on, you know, applications or a particular industry or a particular layer of the architecture, instead of, you know, broaden, spread your wings, literally, Mm. and collaborate with others, learn from others, share information those are traits that would actually spawn innovation as a very desirable outcome Mm -hmm. right you know it is not easy to say okay one person x is an innovator and person y is not but once they inculcate those types of collaborative capabilities and also think broader beyond their area of expertise it's bound at the intersection Mm -hmm. that's where the innovation is bound to happen Fanny.
1: you know now then i grew up in Like, I went to school in the 90s when I was still learning programming and basic and Fortran. And back then, in the technology field, it was all about following the rules. It was all about keep your head down, let your work speak for itself, and that's it. And if you do well, then we'll promote you, right? But now you're talking about concepts of, Resilience, challenging things, being innovative, questioning things, those are all things that we weren't really taught in school. How do you think we can develop those kind of skills to question and challenge and challenge ourselves, challenge our industry? What are your thoughts around that, so that change?
0: Just, um, you know, one of the ex-CEOs of IBM, Janine Romere, actually said, you know, she wouldn't necessarily look for college degrees, and, and masters and PhDs and so on, and she looks to grow the workforce. Her advocacy was the ability to learn. That's really what she would look for in everyone. And you know, it could be someone who has been, you know, is about to retire, but even that employee needs to have the ability to learn. And we live in a world with this changing uh, technology. What we are talking about today, you know, one year from now. You know, that at this conference, that that may not be the topic at all. Something completely new. Right. So, how easily can you learn is one of the traits. And I would say the very simple thing is, don't ever forget that you started off as a student. Mm-hmm. You know, don't think that you okay, you've graduated from the need to learn. You never really graduate from the need to learn. You may get a college degree and so on. Thank you very much. But that is just the foundation for you to continue to learn every day, every month, every year for the rest of your life.
1: Even as a C-level exec. Absolutely.
0: You know. So just a quick sidebar. You know, as you get more experience, you have more mentees. You know, there are men, you know this mentor-mentee relationship. You know, if anyone thinks that it is the mentee who benefits, they are you know sadly mistaken. It's a bi-directional process where the mentor continues to learn because of the mentees. So, you don't, you never stop learning. You learn from the people who, who are looking up to you. And if you don't, you're definitely not the right leader.
1: What have you learned from your mentees, Nadin?
0: So, um, one of the things, uh, you know, that I have learned is, I wish I was a mentee like they are today, when I was, you know, in a few years back. I've seen mentees who would actually, Take the time and you know, plan out. Here is where I want to be. Goal oriented, and then you know put time on my calendar and ask me challenging questions so that they can learn. Now, I was kind of like, oh my God, can I do that? Is it okay <laughs> to do it? You know, the times were a little bit different, and yeah. I could have been a better mentee myself. So I learn from you know mentees and then pass on to other mentees. You know, you could do it this way. Mm-hmm. You know don't be shy to approach leaders challenge leaders you know upward mentorship is also something to be you know keep in mind and upward mentorship applies to your direct leader at work or dotted line leadership and so on right and those are things that I'm learning from especially when there is a generational gap you know from the gen X and the millennials and just the way they think is so different it kind of makes you take pause and go I guess I'm dating myself when I say this but in a good way, right? Yeah. Just because you have, you know, seen two or three decades doesn't necessarily mean you know it all. You still need to continue to learn from the new generation that is coming out of college. From you know, the uh, the first decade of experience and so on. So very insightful uh, dialogue there.
1: I want to pause real quick here and give a special shout out to one of our sponsors, CG Infinity. I've worked with them for several years now, and I can truly say that they have one of the best workplace cultures that I've ever experienced. And they specialize in a variety of industries, especially energy, utilities, and financial services. And they serve them through their Salesforce, cloud, as well as customer experience services. So thank you, CG Infinity and I hope you'll support them as they have supported us here at the podcast. Now, I often see people get stuck in the mid-level management level, right? Whether they're, they became a supervisor, a manager, or even a director, and then they hit a ceiling because it takes a totally different set of skills to become a C-level executive or senior leadership. What do you think is those missing or skills that need to be nurtured to get from mid to senior level for tech professionals?
0: So first off, I would say I used to work for somebody who who told me an anecdote that um, he uh, this leader was like an SVP Mm -hmm. and one of uh, his directs at the time and came and uh, asked. So what do I need to do to become a VP or an SVP and The response was, well, if you're asking that question, then you're not ready. (laughs) So, because these, I mean, the change in roles and the move up the ladder really happen because you're already doing, you know, unconsciously. It is second nature to you. So, it is just an academic HR exercise to go through the promotion per se. So, there are two factors that I have taken to heart. Now, I am no CEO or, you know, but... I have reached a certain level I would say because of something I learned from one of my mentors and that is always be on the lookout or on you know your breadth of impact and sphere of influence I'll never forget those two phrases no matter what again, you're doing please the breadth of impact so I'll dwell on that breadth of impact means you know, how broad, one minute of your time, whatever you're doing, what kind of an impact is it having? Is it within your team? Is it within the organization that your team is part of? Or is it something that is actually having a company-wide impact? Now, you could still do the same thing, but the impact can be game-changing at different levels. So see how you can broaden the impact, right? That's one. The other is the sphere of influence, which is what does your network look like? Is it the team that you are working in? Is it you know other members who are who have absolutely nothing to do with what you are doing, right? Different domains. Yeah. It may be people from your competition that you are networked with. You know, happy hour conversations. How large is the community that you are part of, right? Mm-hmm. So, breadth of impact and sphere of influence. If you continue to grow that with a purpose, while still focusing on your core skills and you know your expertise and so on, the rest will take care of itself.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I've seen you do quite masterfully is to build your brand on LinkedIn and network with people. You're always highlighting other executives. You're sharing what they've done, sharing what you've done. You're also kind of like networking online and in person. Any networking tips that you have?
0: You said it. Um, there is a tendency on LinkedIn to promote oneself. Mm-hmm. You know. It was a humbling experience to be at this conference and I was so grateful to be recognized for this. It's that me, me, me tendency that I see a lot. Nothing wrong with that. You do need to do that every once in a while. But if that's the only thing you do, the audience, your network will sort of you know start to get bored of that, right? right? So if you are the only marketer of your brand, then there is a problem with that. right? So networking is really about recognizing others and when you voice and showcase what others are doing and you know your humility shows right there right so one very easy thing to do is promote your peers promote you know uh, your your competition you know with some you know you, we all work for different companies right. with a good reason to be in business so there are some boundaries but um, you know promote them for who they represent what they represent their perspectives promote their thoughts and so on and You could come over that. You could even engage in some kind of a debate. Oh, you said this, but have you considered that, right? right? Complimentary perspectives. That actually triggers debate and conversation. It is not just about, I spoke at this conference today, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a very easy tip.
1: I love that. And as you kind of look forward, right? We hear about AI, about all this innovation, and then talk around, oh, it's gonna replace jobs or repetitive tasks and all that. Where do you kind of see the role of humanity and creativity um, as AI kind of takes more and more precedence?
0: Yeah, I mean, it is scary because I think uh, the latest I read is that um, AI, the the generative AI, chat GPT, uh, I hope I'm right on this, but got a medical license or something, you know? (laughs) Uh, as in it passed the medical licensing Uh test or something to that effect. That's very scary, right? Mm. Um, I would say uh, whenever automation has been introduced over the years in different industries it has never been okay let's turn the switch on and let's go fully automated. There have always been stumbling blocks and we have learned and the manual override option is always something that needs to be exercised. I mean just like we would you know, let's say we are going for a you know a health checkup or something, and there is some serious uh, treatment. One would tend to have a second opinion, a third opinion. Is this the right thing? And AI is no different. I w- let's not discount AI for the value that it provides because it can really, really work very well with you know volumes of data at scale. So we need it. We cannot just discount it, saying forget this. We can continue to do it the human way, right? We do need that. But we shouldn't just completely, it's all, always good to have a path to get a second opinion to what you know, generative AI provides. Mm-hmm. So this way, what we would be doing is if there are discrepancies, if there are anomalies, that's our way to make that AI even more intelligent. So there is lesser and lesser need to seek that second opinion. So that's what I would advocate there. That's what I see as a need. Mm-hmm. Um, blindly following what AI does can be disastrous.
1: Absolutely. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind, Nodin? What do you want to be remembered for?
0: Wow. Um, I mean, some things that you said about me—I think I'm right there uh, about you know networking and so on. But I would like to, you know, when I retire, if I am regarded as you know someone whose voice matters, someone whose thoughts matter, who people look up to, not necessarily look up to, but look to for insights, uh, perspectives on you know, technology, on various industries and where the trends are and so on. Um, just earning that respect of uh, my peers and other leaders in the industry, I would go, job well done.
1: Mm. Well, thank you, Nadin. You've provided all kinds of unique perspectives And I think what sticks with me the most is to to challenge and to be resilient. Um, That really stuck with me. And so for all of you out there, be sure to continue to subscribe to the Tech Legacies video podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like, subscribe and hit the bell. And if you're listening on the podcast, be sure to subscribe to Tech Legacies as well. Thank you, Nadin, for your time and wisdom. I so appreciate it.
0: Always a pleasure, Fanny, and you have a tendency to bring out thoughts that I may not have brought out otherwise. So, Mm. privileged to be here.
1: I appreciate that. Okay, folks, we'll see you next time. At Tech Legacies, we're all about helping technology professionals grow and succeed in their careers by sharing the advice of top technology executives. If you're looking to take your career to the next level and become a technology executive yourself, we have an exciting program to tell you about. It's called the Tech CXO Excellence Program by Tech CXO Launchpad, and they are our partners. They're offering an immersive multimodal program developed and taught by current and former CIOs and CTOs who are passionate about building the next generation of C-suite technology executives. And you'll experience a full immersion into the C-suite world, and also get to collaborate, network, and experience capstone-style projects with other professionals. And this is all while benefiting from face-to-face interactions in person with industry guest speakers. It is exclusively for a new level of C-suite executives and C-level direct reports and second directs who are earmarked for succession planning and career growth. To join their waitlist, register your interest at www.techcxolaunchpad.com. That's techcxolaunchpad.com. This program has everything you need to take your career to the next level.